A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 269 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends, as well as canon, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and even Spotify, as well as right on our own Twitter and Facebook pages at SWBeyondFilms. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herleman, and with me like a Wookiee with a life debt, the doctor of timelines and a Wookiee-sized Star Wars fan in his own right, our own Dr. Jim Lehane. Hi. How do This is, um, so should we describe the world, um, this year so that when they hear this episode, they'll know the context of when we're recording. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right? Yeah, Yeah. I'm just picking on you a little. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, we've definitely, uh, slowed our release schedule down. Uh, hopefully we'll, uh, 2023, we get back onto a nice, uh, rhythm again. No promises, no promises. Uh, as I said in the last episode, uh, my troop merged with another troop, so I've been busy doing a lot of that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting ride. Um, I just went camping last weekend. We did a freezerie up in Sisters. And on Saturday night, the winds got to 60 miles an hour, lifted my tent, and slid me and all my gear five feet. Dude, it was insane. But yeah, I've been doing a lot of uh, camping and scouting things and uh, merging troops and helping my council get things back up and running again after a lot of heavy hits to our local council when it comes to summer camps and stuff like that. We lost uh, our main camps. Right now, we're a council with no Boy Scout camp as we're trying to rebuild the camp that we had and get it back to functioning. So, yes, it's been interesting in that regard. Like I keep I keep saying to my friends, uh, you know, I've got time to edit. But unfortunately, most of that time to edit, I'm sitting in a car waiting to pick a kid up. (laughs) I I understand that. uh, Yeah, Uh, we're we're full on like still remodeling everything in the house. Um, The wife took on her own project uh, of the front entryway, which she completely gutted. And then I was going to do a little bit here and there to help her out with, like, drywall and stuff like that. And I said, well, why don't we just do this together? Um, it'll get done faster. And then, like, because the, the furniture way, obviously, like, the basement not being done, like, <laughs> this is where my office is. And, like, but all our bedrooms and kitchen and everything is upstairs. So the basement not being done, not a big deal. Furniture way, it's kind of noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so that's what I was literally plastering before I came down to record. Oh, so. nice. Yeah, you're, you're hard at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wife plastered for a couple hours this morning, and then we switched off. And then uh, I was doing the um, more like the corners and stuff that she hadn't uh, I, I, she hadn't done before. So it was, uh, um, but uh, the finish. Yeah, her her. her uh, her skills gets uh, expanding as we uh, continue to do this. She wants me to show her how to tile next. Nice. 
Well, speaking of expanding, let's jump into it. Um, it's definitely been a year for an expansion of the High Republic content. So here we go. beyond the films we ask the tough questions questions that have bothered you for a long time or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on you ponder about star wars and so do we this episode we take a look once again back over the previous year of star wars publishing this episode we're going to be focusing on the novels of 2022 and our next episode being comics and the one to follow being the games television and the uh, other stuff now consider this your spoiler warning because here we go on another adventure beyond the films Yeah, and when I say the High Republic, man, I mean, like, looking over this list, that is definitely the era that we parked on. It, it almost feels like the first, what, the first three years of 2000 where it, like, was very New Jedi Order driven. <laughs> like, if it wasn't tied to the sequels, all the books were pretty much New Jedi Order era. They're definitely that's, doubling down on the High Republic. Well, that's what I noticed is when they're releasing the High Republic, it's only the High Republic. And then when so when like between the um, first phase and the second phase of the High Republic, when they stopped is when they tried to cram in every book that wasn't the High Republic into that time period. Like we almost have none, no non High Republic books while the High Republic's been being released. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. They're definitely committed. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. Like like it or hate it. It, it is what it is like <laughs> right um so really quick we're going to go down the list and just tell you when they dropped and then we'll go back read some reason and really dwell into the goods so the first one we had was january 4th uh, the high republic the fallen star then january 4th we also had mission to disaster um we also got the season two of the mandalorian just the recap there then february 1st we had the high republic midnight horizon March 14th, it was the High Republic Tempest Runner. The script finally came in its book format. Um, April 5th, Queen's Hope. This is our our gap that Jim was talking about. May 10th, Brotherhood. Uh, June 7th, Stories of Jedi and Sith. June 28th, Shadow of the Sith. Uh, June 26th, Padawan. And then August 16th, The Princess and the Scoundrel. Um, October 4th, we get back into the next phase of the High Republic, and we get the Path of Deceit, followed by November 1st, the High Republic Quest for the Hidden City, uh, and then November 22nd, the book I'm currently almost finished with is the High Republic Convergence, and December 6th, and I'm actually stoked I got this one, I, I wasn't expecting to get it for Christmas, but I did, uh, Star Wars Insider, the High Republic Starlight Stories. Jim, anything about that that really like jumps out to you before we get into the uh, summaries of these and stuff? Um, I'd say, like, I think the non-High Republic stories kind of jumped out at me. Like, Shadow of the Sith and Brotherhood were both um, kind of standouts of the year. Mm-hmm. I think, like, if you if you're looking at High Republic stories, the Fallen Star of this year, I'd say, was the best one. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. I think. For me, the Fallen Star was my my highlight, followed with Tempest Runner. I mean, even though the audio drama came out the year before, I just I really liked that story. I thought it was a really good story, fun, and you know, knowing 
the sound of the voices after I've already hearing the audio drama, like really made the characters come to life a little bit more for me. Um, I did enjoy uh, the Shadow of the Sith novel. Padawan, um, I, I didn't get all the way through it, but I was able to kind of like take it with me while I was reading another book and kind of glance at it off and on. And it seems like it's going to be a very fun and interesting read. Um, Brotherhood, I actually enjoyed that one quite a bit. Um, and Queen's Hope, that has been a solid series so far. For being I've, a book series I wouldn't have expected myself to enjoy, I've really enjoyed them. I 100% agree with you. It is, it, it's a solid series. Like, it's not... Every book in the series is kind of on par with itself. If you like the first one, you'll probably like the rest of them. And it's um, enjoyable. Like, mm-hmm. I, I really like... Um, E.K. Johnson's uh, writing style. I thought I, I think she does very well um, for like the genre that she's going for, kind of like a a, a young adult um, sort of writing style. And I think she does it very well. And they're they're fun stories. And I like like I hate stories that rehash things we've already seen mm-hmm. um like rehash the movies or rehash the tv shows like the the mandalorian junior novel i hate things that rehash that but i like stories that interweave their narrative with the story that we already know mm-hmm. and ek johnson does it so well that you know you have to know the movie to understand how she's weaving it in because she skips the parts of the movie right right and I, I love that because it's like you already know the movie. You're reading this book. You know the movie. <laughs> and um, she literally like you you know exactly where you are, where you where she puts you and she skips the parts that don't need to be rehashed. Mm-hmm. You know, I and I think for me, that same reasoning is probably why I couldn't get into The Princess and the Scoundrel. Uh, you know, it, for me, it felt like, OK, here's the third time we've gotten this story, um, although the first time I, I don't really consider uh, that one counting that. What was it? The mission to it was Mount Yoda. terrible. It Those, was yeah. it was um, the Glove of Darth Vader. Yeah, the Trioculus books. <laughs> like, oh, so any I don't know if I've said this on this show. Um, Back in 2003. Mm hmm. Um, I had a inheritance given to me, and so I started collecting. I like was living on my own. I had a whole bunch of money from an inheritance, and I'm like, I'm going to collect and read all the Star Wars stories. There you go. I read the Glove of Darth Vader series, and I almost stopped collecting Star Wars at that point. That that was yeah, that was a bad series. Very S, uh, canon. You know, second tier didn't really count. <laughs> oh, it's like Q. Q cannon. It's like that. That doesn't even like that doesn't belong on second tier. That is terrible. Right. I remember <laughs> trying to rationalize because that book ends with them walking down the aisle, and I always would rationalize it in my head that the Empire attacked and stopped the wedding from happening, and then like they never got back to doing it until we get to later that- with the courtship of Princess Leia. <laughs> Well, I think that was actually what's supposed to happen. I think they were supposed to write another book, and that is literally what was um, mm. supposed to happen, is that the Empire attacked and they never actually went through with the wedding because they didn't go through with the wedding in the book. Right, right. Yeah, and it was so right it was, there. <laughs> and so I believe you're right. I believe it was interrupted or supposed to be interrupted in the next book that thankfully um, died before it ever uh, reached fruition. Oh, right. 
All right, so let's go ahead and take these one at a time. Uh, let's start with the High Republic, the Fallen Star. The tragic events of the Republic Fair have galvanized the galaxy. The Jedi and the Republic have gone on the offensive to stop the marauding Nile. With the vicious raiders all but defeated, Jedi Master Avar Chris uh, sets her sights on Lorna D, the supposed Eye of the Nile, and has undertaken a mission to capture her once and for all. But unbeknownst to the Jedi, the true leader of the Nile, the insidious Markeon Roe, is about to launch an attack on the Jedi and the Republic on a scale not seen in centuries. If he succeeds, the Nile will be triumphant, and the light of the Jedi will go dark. Only the brave Jedi Knights of Starlight Beacon stand in his way, but even they may not be enough against Roe and the ancient enemy that's about to be unleashed. Uh, do you um, have the authors listed for the books as well, Infernia? You know, I don't. So uh, th- this one, um, Claudia Gray wrote this one, but some of the others I don't think I could pull off the top of my head. Um so I really liked The Fallen Star. Like I said, it was probably my highlight of uh, this past year, um, if you if consider all the books. I, and, like, I really love Claudia Gray in general. Mm-hmm. I think she's an absolutely fantastic author. Um, the way she weaves a story kind of draws you in really well. Right. And it being the the climax, climax finale, one of those words, yeah. um, of the first phase, it really ended that first phase really well. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought they, they did a, a stellar, um, like killing off of people that you weren't expecting. And they really like, they didn't hold back on anything in that story. And so I, like, I really enjoyed it. I'd, um, the only problem I would see is it when we talked about our accessibility, it's not very accessible unless you read the, um, the previous two, at least the previous two adult novels, if not, other stuff within the high republic right you know and and looking back on that aspect of it i mean you know the cover gives away what happens um starlight beacon was this big new thing and stuff and by the end of this wave you know we find out it's fate and i think if if in that regard alone you wanted to read the book about what happened to it and not be attached to the characters per se but the station as a character i think you could get into that book by itself in that regard, but you're not going to get the payout. Um, and, and that's, and that's what I think, you know, what you're talking about there is you really get the payout of the characters and, and a lot of the fates involved. If you have been following it, um, Claudia Gray, she, she does good work. And when she's able to take and, and seed out the trail of breadcrumbs that she wants, you're able to see the map before you from the aerial view. And it's just, it's impressive what she draws. Um, there were characters in this book that, drew me in but the situation with the station itself being as dire as it was and the way that the characters of the jedi especially were were kind of trapped and locked in and like you know there was two whole sections of the station with two different stories going on you know you you almost had the sense that everything going on with chris was going to be in the comics because you only got glimpses of what was going on the north end of the station like the closest we got was bell uh when he went up into the medical wing that was kind of like in the center on like a little tower and stuff but i really got a kick out of that and 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 the way that she left some fates of certain characters up in the air um i think out of all this new series this one felt the most like star by star in the new jedi order where we're like you're right there in the midst of everything and it really just kind of grabs your heartstrings and just kind of tightens it um 
But at the same time, as that series gets over, right, and we're about to jump to the new phase and we go back in time, she does such a good job of setting everything up that I'm like, I want to know what comes next. I don't want to go backwards. Like, I definitely, as the next phase pushes forward, questioning if that was going to be a good choice. Um, the, The creatures that she really introduces in this... I have a feeling like they're going to be the main plot of why we went back into the past, but I really question the payoff because we really were pushing the momentum of the story to this point, and now we're like going way back. And I, when we get to the kickoff of Phase Two, um, in a little bit here, uh, I have not not good thoughts on how <laughs> how, how they started this, <laughs> right? For similar reasons as you as you're stating here is like, but but I want to know what happens next. Like you set it up so well, like, and you're going to make me wait what a year and a half to (laughs) get the payout for this. Like, Uh what are we the nineties? Right. Well, that's just assuming that the next phase doesn't jump backwards again. Like, (laughs) no, they've already said that the the phase three will be the the. They're doing a uh, like a Star Wars like the. The O-T-P-T-S-T uh, kind of pattern. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, that makes sense in a franchise like this. Um, next one, The High Republic Mission to Disaster. This was uh, by Justina Ireland. The Jedi think the dreaded Nihil Marauders have been all but defeated. Their leader is on the run, and their numbers have dwindled. Jedi Knight Vernestra Rowe hopes this means she will finally have time to really train her Padawan, Imri Kentaros. But reports of a Nihil attack on Port Haleep soon dash those hopes. For not only have the Nihil attacked the peaceful outpost, they have abducted Vernestra and Imri's friend, Avon Staros. The two Jedi set off for Port Haleep, determined to figure out where the Nihil have taken their friend. Meanwhile, Avon must put her smarts and skills to the ultimate test as she fights for survival among the Nihil and uncovers a sinister plan. Can Vernestra and Imri find their friend before disaster strikes? Dun, dun, dun. You know, I gotta say, I like these little books. Um, Vern is a character I really get a kick out of, and Imri's kind of fun, too. (laughs) Imri's there. Um... (laughs) Timeline-wise, this actually takes place before the Fallen Star, and we get a couple of um, references to when exactly it takes place because um, uh, this is like the first time that they jumped Starlight Beacon, and then the second time they jumped Starlight Beacon was um, right before the Fallen Star. And so it's one of those, like, even though it was released at the same time as um, the Fallen Star, actually Mm -hmm. it was, we you have it listed as January 4th, it was pushed off to March um, it was the. I was going to say I thought book. it came out much later, even though it was set before. Yeah, yeah. the audio book was released on January fourth. Mm. The uh, physical book was released in March. I remember that because I listened to the audio book since they. I had seen. I think Justine even mentioned online that it was um, takes place before. I'm like, well, if it takes place before, I'll listen to them in order. Right, because when we were covering it, the, it was the actual, I enjoyed one. it. Like you're right, I like these. Um, the, the the young adults seem to fit along with the adult novels very well. Yeah. I, I recall you had, had listened to the audiobook beforehand and had that uh, information, and I came to it backwards because of the, the physical copy. Yeah, now that you say that, that makes sense. Um, Avar, or not Avar, um, Staros. 
she's definitely a character that I think is going to have a lot more potential. These characters in these books kind of remind me in a sense of uh, Jason and Jaina and, you know, the young generation of Jedi Knights and stuff doing their thing at the same mm-hmm. time as everybody during the new Jedi Order. Um, so I, I like that feel of it and stuff and, and the way that they've interacted with each other across the different books and the comics and stuff. And Vern, especially, I think she's probably the one that they've utilized the most in the different mediums. They, 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 she has been in, um, a few of the books and you're right. I think I like Avon, um, especially since she's a scientist mm-hmm. and, um, and we know, um, Sana, uh, Staros from the Dr. Afra comics. Right. Right. Is likely related to like they they don't accidentally give you the same random last name, um, <laughs> and so I assume Avon would be a direct um, ancestor to Sana, and so she's she's likely to be around for a while because right. she's like eight now, so uh... <laughs> and super smart. <laughs> All right, so up next we've got the High Republic Midnight Horizon. Now I believe this was the the chronological last one before we jumped um back so chronologically it takes place exactly at the same time as the fallen star oh okay. uh, I, I don't i don't i think the fallen star actually like if you were to line them up book next to book on a timeline mm-hmm. the fallen star does extend a little beyond uh where midnight horizon ends and so they are like basically concurrent for the, the for most part Okay. But you, you skipped to the Mandalorian season two junior novel. Oh, we did. You're right. Well, that's because you know it was what we saw on TV. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I. I I think before even we recorded, I completely forgot that was even a thing. I didn't right? buy it, um, and so I didn't even read it. And I, I'm almost positive you're right. I think it was just a rehash of the television episodes. Yeah, I, I don't think they added much aside from like maybe like just the character looked this way and then he looked that way. Um, one thing that I kind of wish we would have gotten though, is when the station was moved, you know, you mentioned that it was moved twice. Um, I kind of wish we had a story that was kind of set while that was happening a little bit more, you know, and they really fleshed out the details of what it would have been like to be on the station while one of those things were happening. I mean, it's almost like the first time you're watching the next generation and they're like, we're going to separate the saucer section. You're like, wait, what? You know what? (laughs) No, I I agree. It was it was weird the way a lot of the High Republic stuff is weird the way that they're setting things up. Um, they are treating the young adult the same as the adult novels in that a lot of the stuff that's happening that you would expect only in the adult novels happens mm-hmm. in the young adult novels, and so mm-hmm. it's like people are going to miss a lot if they're just sticking to the adult novels, and things are not going to make a lot of sense sometimes. I think they rehash a little bit enough to catch people up, but it's like one of those like, wait, what? Well, and when you say young adult novels, I mean, I typically, I think what most people think of is kind of along the lines of the Mandalorian season two, a much smaller little tiny kids book. Whereas mission to disaster is that it's more like a young, young adult book. And the, the Claudia Gray books that you get and the other ones that are in the young adult, they're the same size as your Delray books. And you're right. The content in there is every bit as mature as the other ones. So I think like when we're saying young adult, I think a lot of people don't realize that there's really not a lot about these that are as young adults. 
I mean, heck, half the time the, the content in these young adult books is a lot more mature than the regular Del Rey ones. I mean, I, I want to say you get more relationships that have, you know, sex scenes and things like that in these young adults that we've ever seen before in, in the EU when it was uh, the, the canon background. Yeah, when I say young adult, I strictly mean the publishing designation of the book. That is right. what they are calling it. They Like the Midnight Horizon is a middle grade novel. That is what they are calling it. I'm not saying young adult because it's like geared towards young adults. It's just what the publishing um, description of the book. Harry Potter right, right. is a young adult series. That is how it was um, published. And so it's a, it doesn't need to be like, I love young adult books, um, right? mostly because adult geared novels have a lot of um fluff i find yeah, in there yeah. where the young adult they have a tendency to get to the plot a lot faster they like um and, and it's more action geared than the um more um stodgy adult written books and so like i i, I like the young adult ones personally yeah and i i want to say that that since uh legends became legends and stuff everything that we're getting in this like i said they're just they're all hitting i mean more often than not they're some of the best star wars stories we're getting all right yeah i i i 100 agree with you um going back to midnight horizon uh midnight horizon was one of those books that if you did not read the star wars adventures comic series also like midnight horizons written by daniel daniel jose older um mm-hmm. or djo as uh, i like to refer to him um <laughs> He also wrote the Star Wars Adventures comic series, and they tie in very tightly together to the point where if you do not read the comic series, the book almost doesn't have any meaning to you because it is all about the characters from the comics that are in the book. I read both. I still couldn't care much less about um, (laughs) the characters in the book. I know there are people out there who really, really liked the book. Um, It's... it, it kind of puts a, a strain. Um, I don't know if it's because the audio book, um, some of the audio characters were obnoxious, um, mm. but it's it's definitely, it, it's one of those middle grade novels that tends towards the younger spectrum. They have middle grade novels that tends toward the older spectrum. This is one of the ones that tends to the younger spectrum, and it, it mm. uh, wasn't my favorite. Right. Um, sent to investigate are Jedi Masters, Comac Vitus, and Katan Sai. Among along with Padawans Resilis and Ram Jorarama, uh, all, fighting on, er, all fighting their own private battles after months of unrelenting danger. On Corellia, Reith and Ram encounter a brazen young security specialist named Crash, whose friend was one of the victims of the Nile attack. And they team up with her to infil- infiltrate Corellia's elite while the Masters pursue more diplomatic avenues. But going undercover with Crash is more dangerous than anyone expected, even as Ram pulled, uh, pulls in his friend's zine to help with the elaborate ruse involving a galactic pop star. But what they uncover on Corellia turns out to be just part of a greater plan, one that could lead the Jedi to their most stunning defeat yet. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. There was that stunning defeat and the greater plan... It was like a setup again, and and I feel like we're not going to find out anything. And like, are we still going to even be curious of the question by the time we get back to this time frame? Um, yeah, and and the zine aspect, I had to go and grab the comics and pull them up and 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 kind of catch myself up to what was going on because if you've been reading the comics, this book is probably really 
big for you because there's a lot of going on with, with zine and stuff that you might want to know about. But um, yeah, I, I felt like it was a weird place to have put this book being that they were shifting, you know, to the timeline like they did going back 150 years. It's like they set up the question and I, I don't know if we're going to be curious to know what the answer is when we come back to it. I don't know. <laughs> All right. The next one I'll, I'll, I'll do the, uh, the synopsis. Um, Tempest runner released March 15th um, by Kevin Scott off the top of my head. Yes. Kevin Scott. Uh, the night Hill storm has raged throughout the galaxy, leaving chaos and grief in its wake. Few of its raiders are as vicious as the Tempest runner, Lorna D. She stays one step of the Jedi order at the helm of a vessel named after one of the deadliest monsters in the galaxy. The Lorna D. <laughs> but no one can outrun the defenders of the High Republic forever. After the defeat of her crew, Lorna falls into the hands of the Jedi, but not before she hides her identity, becoming just another Nihil convict. Her captors fail to understand the beast they have cornered. Just like every fool she's ever buried, their first mistake was keeping her alive. Lorna's determined to make underestimating her their last Locked onto a Republic correctional ship, she's dragged across the galaxy to repair the very damage she and her fellow Tempest runners inflicted on it. But as Lorna plans her glorious escape, she makes alliances that grow dangerously close to friendships. Outside the Nihil, separated from her infamous ship, her terrifying arsenal, and her feared name, Lorna must carve her own path. But will it lead to redemption, or will she emerge as a deadlier threat than ever before? Mm-hmm. Man, story-wise, so- this is one of my faves. This one takes place, um, like we mentioned, this is the script was released on March 15th. The audio drama itself was released, I think it's September, um, August, August 31st of uh, 2021. And so the storyline takes place between waves two and three of the, um, the, the first phase of the High Republic. God, I hate how they have that set up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of these type of stories are, are my favorites because, you know, Lorna is one of the bad guys and we didn't really know too much about her. She, you know, the audio book, whoever was uh, portraying the actress or the uh, the character really did a real good job of sounding Twilight, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. There was the, the Twilight characters all had a distinct sound to them and it felt very real. Um, but having a book that really gets into one of the main characters and fleshes them out the way they did with this. I really enjoyed it. The only problem I'm having though, is that the question of who the leader of the Nile is like, I can't remember. Did, did they ever figure out that it wasn't Lorna? Cause I think up till the very end of this wave, they still think it's Lorna. They, yes, they thought it was Lorna up until the very end of the fallen star. When Markion um, does his little announcement. He he literally does a broadcast at the end of the Fallen right, Star right. and says, "Hey, look, it's me. I did everything. Um, it's a me, Mario. <laughs> it's me, and, Mario um, Kimrow. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so like they thought it was Lorna up until that point. Mm-hmm. I I liked how." You know, not only does it flesh her out, but we go back into the past and we find out the series of events that led her to where she is, which shaped how hard she became. Um, and you could still get a sense of how she does have a heart 
for other people, even though she's kind of buried it under a jaded facade. <laughs> if I only had a heart. <laughs> so I, I agree. I think it did a great job as kind of giving us a good backstory for her. I felt a lot of the audiobook turned out to be pointless because by the end, the every the situation at the end of the book ended up being the same as the situation before the book. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think they were afraid to do anything major in an audio book that changed where a lot of people were not going to be reading or listening to the audio book. Right. I think so, the only like, thing that she really came away with by the end of it was that she had a bigger following of more loyal to her people. And then she had the prison ship is now the new Lorna D like that, which and, I don't even think that came into play at right. all in any of the other stories. Like even no. like the, the fact that you're right, that was what changed because pan was dead before the story. Oh, it turns out he's not dead in the story. Yeah. He's probably dead again. Lorna at the beginning of it was alive. Oh, Maybe she's dead in the story. Turns out at the end, nope, she's not dead, so she's alive again. And it's like, it's, 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 I felt like they kept pulling their punches. Right, right. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, then after that, this is where we get to that gap here where we've got Queen's Hope. A peace-loving senator faces a time of war in another thrilling Padme Amidala adventure from the author of the New York Times best-selling Queen's Peril and Queen's Shadow. Padme is adjusting to the uh, to being a wartime senator during the Clone Wars. Her secret husband, Anakin Skywalker. I love the Anakin secret husband. What? Skywalker? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not spelled right at all. Skywalker. Skywalker. Man. Somebody should have proofread this. Um, So anyway, her secret husband, Anakin Skywalker, is off fighting the war and excels at being a wartime Jedi. In contrast, when Padme gets the opportunity to see the casualties of a war-torn front line, she is horrified. The stakes have never been higher for the galaxy or for the newly married couple. Meanwhile, with her on a secret mission, her handmaid, Sabe, steps into the role of Senator Amidala. Sometimes no handmaid... Something no handmaid has done for an extended period of time. While in the Senate, Sabe is equally horrified by the machinations that are happening there. She comes face to face with a gut-wrenching decision as she realizes she cannot fight a war this way. Not even for Padme. And Chancellor Palpatine hovers over it all, manipulating the players to his own ends. I liked how so this story takes place very shortly after um, Attack of the Clones. I think it, if I remember correctly, it even overlapped with Attack of the Clones quite a bit, mm-hmm. and then we kind of jump, we jump a little, and then like Brotherhood, which was released a month later, almost takes place like right in that same time period. So we're, you're before the Clone Wars cartoon movie and any of the Clone Wars series. But after Attack of the Clones, which is a very short time period and something that we have nothing in, uh, there's a scattering of throwaway um, the the Clone Wars adventure stories that are in there, but nothing major. And so they fit both of these stories that fit together actually very well. And um, 
no, I, I I really enjoyed it. I thought they I thought they did a good. I say of the three, it was probably my least favorite of the three uh, queens uh, stories, but I still still enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Now, and didn't this one also overlap into episode three as well? Like, no, I don't think so. Okay, I the just first uh, the first one that they released did jump, did do an aftermath uh, after forward at the funeral. Right, okay. I just like how Sabe is turning into such a big character. Like, I mean, this one we kind of get more of the insight of the relationship that she has as kind of like a fill-in. Uh, but if you're reading like the Darth Vader comic and stuff, like she comes back again. And, and I just, I love what they're doing with the character because that was, in a sense, it's almost like having a clone that's not a clone. You know, <laughs> it's like, wow, this is this is a great foil for Vader. Um but I, I like getting to see how she was operating and, and how, you know, their point of view on the events and stuff was played out. And I'm always a fan of Kira Knightley, so you can always have more of her, even if it's just in written format. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, and I mean, this one, like, you know, we, we do see, yeah, you're right, it's uh, morning of the wedding night and stuff. Like, yeah, it was... It was a lot of interesting aspects of Anakin and Padme too that we got to see that we don't get to see that often aside from like little clips and stuff. So it was kind of nice. All right, the next one, Brotherhood, by Mike Chen. I believe his first, definitely his first novel. Um, I think he did maybe a couple of short stories in one of those um, tales or the, the what's it from a certain point of view stories. But right. the, the Clone Wars have begun. Battle lines are being drawn throughout the galaxy. With every world that joins the Separatists, the peace guarded by the Jedi Order is slipping through their fingers. After an explosion devastates Cato Neboidia, the jewel of the Trade Federation, the Republic is blamed and the fragile neutrality of the planet is threatened. The Jedi dispatch Obi-Wan Kenobi, one of the Order's most gifted diplomatic minds, to investigate the crime and maintain the balance that has begun to dangerously shift. As Obi-Wan investigates with the help of a heroic Nemoidian guard, he finds himself working against the Separatists who hope to draw the planet into their conspiracy and senses the sinister hand of Asajj Ventress in the mist that cloaked the planet. Amid the brewing chaos, Anakin Skywalker rises to the rank of Jedi Knight. Despite the mandate that Obi-Wan travel alone and his former master's insistence that he listen this time, Anakin's headstrong determination means nothing can stop him from crashing the party and bringing along a promising but conflicted youngling. Bad decisions. (laughs) Once a Padawan to Obi-Wan, Anakin now finds himself on equal but uncertain footing with the man who raised him. The lingering friction between them increases the danger for everyone around them. The two knights must learn a new way to work together, and they must learn quickly to save Cato Nemodia and its people from the fires of war. To overcome the threat they face, they must grow beyond Master and Apprentice. They must stand together as brothers. Dun, dun, dun. I like this one. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't this now become the new scene right before episode three when they take off and go to save the chancellor no this like i said this is immediately after attack of the clones this one's also after attack of the clones. Okay. yes there it's this is before the clone wars movie it is right after anakin gets knighted which coincidentally enough both queen's hope and brotherhood 
take place around Anakin's knighting, we still have not seen his actual knighting. <laughs> like, Queen's Hope jumps his knighting. Like, it's before and after. Brotherhood, uh-huh. I think, takes place immediately after his knighting. And so it's never actually shown. We we haven't seen it yet. So this but, is this is the scene Obi-Wan references where he says that, that business on Catamonia doesn't yes. count. Yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, yep. And so that's kind of like why we, how um, Mike Chen kind of worked that into this. Like, you have to say, like, how did Anakin save Obi-Wan on Catamonia, but how does it not count? And so that's kind of the... Um, the the crux going into this uh this story but i really enjoyed it it gave us our uh, chronologically our first look at asajj ventress mm-hmm. uh this is before obi-wan knew that she was the bad guy right and also it gave us um Nimodians who were not all villains mm. yeah they broke the uh the stereotype yes and so it's uh apparently you can be Nimodian and not be terrible <laughs> yeah, I mean, for for it being Chen's for Star's book, I really got a kick out of it. I thought it was really fun. Uh, moving from that, we've got stories of Jedi and Sith. Just in time to celebrate the highly anticipated rematch between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader in the Disney Plus forthcoming event, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Here are ten original stories about the valiant Jedi and the evil Sith. Larger-than-life characters clash in the epic lightsaber battles that will appeal to young readers and the young Star Wars fan in all of us. Ten acclaimed authors imagine new tales for some of the most iconic Star Wars characters ever, from Luke Skywalker to Darth Vader, from Obi-Wan Kenobi to Darth Maul, and beyond, complete with beautiful spot illustrations. I have it, but I'm not, like, excitedly thrilled about it. I listened to the audiobook. Um, the illustrations were great in the audiobook. Um, <laughs> it was sarcasm because you can't see illustrations in an audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like part two, right? Because the first one we got was like the Clone Wars and it had like Rex's face on it. And it was. Yes. Like, this is yeah. essentially like it's a. Uh, um, a spiritual sequel to that because it's not actually right. it's just like it, it's a, a different time um, frame because the these stories kind of span a lot more uh, time um, where you kind of have some that are much much like before the Republic or during the early days of the Republic sort of thing I did listen to it I hate short story collections I've never like regardless of the author the series like it doesn't need to be star wars i hate short story collections um well, what about right. what about uh, uh john jackson miller's tribe of the sith where do you that's stand not, on that one that's not really a short story collection that's okay. more yeah. of a um it's a period like you're basically jumping in time you're still following the same story right, short story right, collections right. don't have anything to do with each other if it had a overall tying um, theme or like storyline, which the um, the John Jackson Miller stories do, is right, literally right. is just um, basically chapters of a book where you'd have jumps in time. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've very few short story collections I've ever liked. Uh, <laughs> this is again not one of them because you always get some of those stories in there that are absolutely terrible. Like some are good maybe some are mm-hmm. like possibly great 
but you also get the ones that are terrible because everything is mixed together. Right. Like at least if you have a terrible book, it's a terrible book. Here, like <laughs> it's like they're all over the place. You never know what you're going to get. But at least the one th- the one bright point I do have about short story collections, like if you do get a terrible story, it'll be over shortly. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is true. Uh, so next we've got Shadow of the Sith. It is a time of peace. As the ashes of the Galactic Empire cool, the New Republic works to establish a new order of freedom and cooperation, while Jedi Master Luke Skywalker trains the next generation of younglings at his temple. But there is a dark shadow growing in the Force. As former Rebel Alliance General Lando Calrissian continues to search for his kidnapped daughter, Cultus, from the hidden world of Exegol, work to enact plans a generation in the making. Meanwhile, in the depths of wild space... A terrified young family makes a desperate journey, fleeing agents of an evil presence the galaxy has long thought dead. Yep, this one is by Adam Christopher, who I also believe is a first-time author in, uh, or at least first-time novel author in in Star Mm -hmm. Wars. It was one of those that during, while I was listening to it, I was enjoying it, but it also irked me. (laughs) And I think after finishing it and discussing it with people, I liked it more after the fact than while I was actually reading it. Mm -hmm. Which happened. Like, you kind of, like, as you think about it, you're like, I like that more. There's also those stories that you're like, after you think about it, you're like, I hate that more. Um, This this is one of those, I liked it better after I was done and kind of, was able to kind of think back upon it i thought it was a lot of fun it had a lot of heavy lifting to do from Mm -hmm. the rise of skywalker and i feel like it succeeded in everything it was trying to do Mm -hmm. um the fact that one you have lando one two lando's daughter is kidnapped three you had both Lando and Luke looking for Ochi Bastoon, who is tied to Ray's parents, who dropped her off on the um, on Jakku, and you have this random dagger all in the mix there that apparently is a map um, on an ancient Sith dagger to the recently destroyed um, Death Star uh, near Endor, and so it's right. all all those things tied in together. You kind of go. That's a lot to fit into the story, but everything ties together. Like they're all about Luke and Lando, essentially, and um, and so it's like he does it really well. He is able to um, uh, tie that story together to make it make sense, make it enjoyable. Um, I feel like sometimes his little extra stuff that he added in there, because if you think about it, Ochi, Luke, Lando. There's not a lot of um, women in the in that uh, in that story. Plus, the clone right. of the Palpatine was also a guy who was in the story, and so it's right. a lot of a lot of men. So I'll, I feel like the the women additions were needed, and um, they're sometimes some of the best parts of the story. Mm-hmm. I I think for me that the biggest kick I got out of this whole story was seeing what led Ray to where she was. Um, the Luke and Lando side they were fun. But I'm that's the aspect of this trilogy that never really sat well with me. I didn't really care for where those characters ended. So, like, I wasn't as involved with where they were going. It was kind of like more just seeing that. But I was really getting a kick out of 
trailing what happened with Ray's parents and how her fate ended up. And I really liked that. It almost felt like Rebel Rising in a sense where you get Jin Erso's backstory. Mm-hmm. You know, it like I, I felt for Ray, this worked a lot in giving you depth to why she was where she was at and you know, the questions that you had when you watched uh the force awakens you're like you know why why are they dropping her off and why is she being you know put in pluck's hands like i i I got a kick out of how all that played out and i like the fact that there was a tie to luke skywalker that at the end luke was wondering about her and her family and i thought that was kind of a cool little tie yeah they did one of those um anakin could never meet grievous sort of things where luke never met ray um throughout the story Mm-hmm. And I like how you said when you said foray, it sounded like you said hooray, hooray. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next one is Padawan. I like how you have it listed Padawan novel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is by Kirsten White, who is another person that I don't think is a new uh, author to the Star Wars universe. I don't even remember anything um, mm-hmm. from them. Uh, Obi-Wan has not been apprenticed long to Qui-Gon Jinn, and he is chafing at Qui-Gon's training style. All meditation, no action. Obi-Wan yearns to prove himself on a mission, but when he and and Qui-Gon are finally set to leave on an assignment, Qui-Gon is nowhere to be found. (laughs) I don't know why people listen to me read anything. Um, (laughs) Angered by his master's abandonment, Obi-Wan sets out on the mission alone, determined to prove... Himself On a mysterious planet, he enters a pack of feral, force-wielding teens who seem to be the planet's only inhabitants. As he experiences wild freedom with them and wonders if this isn't the life he was meant for, Obi-Wan can't escape the nagging sense that something is wrong with the force there. Growing attachments, starting startling revelations, and a looming threat to both the planet and his new friends will bring Obi-Wan face-to-face with his worst fear. That maybe he was never supposed to be a Jedi at all. Can he connect with the living force in time to save himself and everyone around him? Yes, yes, bum, he does. Um, that's it, it, if you're curious, it's spoiler warning. Um, he does. <laughs> and this is a young adult one. Uh, one of those ones we were talking about that that you know, looks the same size as all the others. Uh, I didn't get a review copy of this one. I happened to find it uh, in the last few weeks and got it. So I've only flipped through it. But it reminds me a lot of the Jude Watson story uh, where we see him on, uh, was it Melodan or something like that, where he had a similar situation where he had to go infiltrate and he kind of got a crush on someone and questioned whether or not he needed to be in the Jedi and all that. So, like, I, I like the fact that we're kind of going back to that to... Uh, flesh out the character. I mean, I, when we had master and apprentice, uh, it was a different take on the relationship between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, but I really enjoyed it. Like, I mean, you know, for me, Jude Watson's version in legends was always like the pinnacle of, of epicness for their relationship. And to come at it from a slightly different angle, the way that they have done it with Canon, I've gotten a kick out of it. So to see a mission where Obi-Wan's like, you know, trying to push himself and stuff, it brings back all those feelings of, that's the Kenobi I, I remember, you know, and, and I like the aspect of how they did it, like with Thrawn, you know, like like they retold Thrawn's origin story almost beat for beat uh, and then went off and, and retold him in a new direction. And aspects of this, just from the summary and stuff, totally feels like that Jude Watson series when he was questioning whether or not he wanted to stay in, in the order and all that. And I want to say even with that, like 
he had two relationships. It was the one with Siri and then the one with the girl on that other planet. And I know in canon we have uh, Satine or uh, yeah, Satine. Uh, it was Satine. Yeah, his relationship with Satine. But I, they've also mentioned Siri, and I want to say this book they mentioned her again. But it was just a mention. It wasn't like you know she was. Sirius's friend in in this series. Um, yeah, I think I don't know if he had a relationship with Siri in Legends. I can't remember. He I, he I, did, but it was it was like literally like a date. They dated kind of thing. It wasn't serious. Serious. Okay. Yeah. Like she has been mentioned as his friend. Um, I did I did read this uh, and I enjoyed it. It was um, like you're right. It falls in line with Master and Apprentice. It's uh, I I believe this takes place a little bit before Master and Apprentice. I would have to double check. Uh, but it is, it's fun. It's, um, it, it kind of, it goes where you expect it to go. I, I don't want to give away the, 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 some of the, the big twists about what had happened based on the summary here. Um, but it's one of those, like, it's Obi-Wan on his own trying to figure out if he wants to be in the Jedi. And it, it literally, that's the entire story. Um, mm-hmm. it's a fun book. It's uh, it's one of those you could take it or leave it, I think, sort of things. Right. And that's kind of how I felt with the next one, uh, Princess and the Scoundrel. Um, after being frozen in carbonite, then risking everything for the rebellion, Han is eager to stop living his life for other people. He and Leia have earned their future together a thousand times over. And when he proposes to Leia, it's the first time in a long time he's had a good feeling about this. For Leia, a lifetime of fighting doesn't truly seem over. There is work still to do, penance to pay for the dark secret she now knows runs through her veins. Her brother Luke is offering her that chance, one that comes with family and the promise of the Force. But even Han asks her to marry him. But when Han asks her to marry him, Leia finds her answer immediately on her lips. Yes. But happily ever after doesn't come easily. As soon as Han and Leia depart on their idyllic ceremony on Endor for their honeymoon, they find themselves on the grandest and most glamorous stage of all, the Halcyon, a luxury vessel on the very public journey to the most wondrous worlds in the galaxy. Their marriage and the peace and prosperity it represents is a lightning rod for everyone in the galaxy, including Imperial remnants still clinging to power. Facing their most desperate hour, the soldiers of the Empire have dispersed across the galaxy, retrenching in isolated worlds vulnerable to their influence. As the Halcyon travels from world to world, one thing becomes abundantly clear. The war is not over. But as danger draws closer, Han and Leia find that they fight their best battles, not alone, but as husband and wife. So, this one's by Beth Revis, and... It is a romance. Mm-hmm. There are people who love romances, and I know there's people out there who loved this book. It's one of those where I go, this is probably not for me because I could tell that it's like who it's geared toward. It's like the rehashing of the courtship of Princess Leia, mm-hmm. um, but in uh, kind of not rehashing, but you know what I mean, like a reimagining right. of the, the, the courtship of Princess Leia. And it works. There's parts of the story that are 
unbearable <laughs> in my opinion it's it, it, it drags on a lot um it did really want me to go on to the galactic star cruiser though it was i finished the book and i'm like i want to go on the star cruiser now right um but yeah it was it it, it, it was a, it was a rough it was a rough one to get through i felt and and beth wrote one of my favorite stories, which was uh, Rebel Rising. So, I mean, like, I, I've got faith in her as a writer. Uh, but, yeah, the Halcyon, I definitely felt like it was, how can we take an event we want to tell a story, and how can we tie it to our theme park and our, our you know, cruiser experience? Because um, it definitely felt like there were a lot of stories. Like, even the High Republic had a couple stories set on the Halcyon in, you know, the past. It was like... It was almost like Vector. <laughs> it was like everybody gets to have a story set on this ship. It, uh, definitely. See, um, the the Halcyon comic series uh, had um, Buriaga was on mm-hmm. the uh, the Halcyon, and so I made the joke that uh, there is a hidden compartment when you stay on the hotel that has a Wookiee pelt um, <laughs> hidden somewhere in there. That uh, that's where <laughs> that's where Buriaga got stuck, and. Uh, <laughs> So, oh man! Our next one, we kick off the second phase of the High Republic, which jumps back 150 years from the first phase. And the first phase only um, timeline span was only about a year and a half. It wasn't even a full two years. And wow. so, um, jumping back 150 years, you don't even need to say at what point it's from. Um, it's a. Uh, this is. New new author, Tessa Grattan, tamed up with Justina Ireland for The Path of Deceit. And the Outer Rim planet of Dalna has become the focus of a Jedi investigation into a stolen Force artifact. And Zala Makri and her Padawan Kevmo Zink arrive on the pastoral world to follow up on a possible connection to a Dalna missionary group called the Path of the Open Hand. Members of the Path believe that the Force must be free and should not be used by anyone, not even the Jedi. One such believer is Marta Rowe, a young woman who dreams of leaving Dalna to spread the word of the path throughout the galaxy. When Marta and Kevmo meet, their connection is instantaneous and electric until Marta discovers Kevmo is a Jedi. But Kevmo is so Mm -hmm. kind and eager to learn more about the path that she hopes she can convince him of the rightness of her beliefs. What Marta doesn't realize is that the leader of the path, a charismatic woman known only as the Mother has an agenda of her own and is not and and is ah, and it is one that can never coexist peacefully with the Jedi. In order to follow her faith, Marta must have to choose to become her new friend's worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Actually, I want to also read the 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 synopsis you have, which is the 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 quest of the Jedi is the second phase. It's um kind of an overarching thing for all of the the first parts of the books, uh, the first mm-hmm. books first three that are released it is time of great ex- exploration in an effort to unite the galaxy the chancellors of the republic working alongside the courageous jedi knights have dispatched dozens of pathfinder teams into the farthest reaches of the outer rim but it is also time of great uncertainty communication is unreliable and tall tales of mysterious planets and monstrous creatures abound prospectors and pirates roam the frontier and the worlds of irim and arano are locked in a forever war and on the far-off planet of Dolna, a new threat to the galaxy is beginning to emerge. Bum, bum, bum. And so I wanted to read that specifically because it calls out Iram and Arano, mm-hmm. which you'll notice 
it was not mentioned in the synopsis of this book. I don't even know if those planets were mentioned in the entire novel. (laughs) And one of the problems I had is that you had the kickoff here. This is the young adult novel released on October 4th. The middle grade novel was released on November 1st. Then the adult novel was released on November 22nd. And I don't know if it was publishing delays or what, but if that adult, the adult novel was needed to understand the con the context of the other two books, because it, they kind of took place simul they all took place simultaneously, but you lost so much of the context. Plus, you had when you had the Light of the Jedi released, that book started mm-hmm. off with a bang. Like here right. is an era you have it literally in the first hundred pages. You have a major hyperspace explosion, something we've never seen before. Lots going on. Very exciting book, and um, love it or hate it, it, you can't ignore that it was an exciting like um a. a uh, kind of a in-your-face kind of action book. Right. This was not that. This was... <laughs> it was it was a slow book that was... It was not an action-adventure book. And I do not think this was a good book to kick off the second phase of their The High Republic. If it was mm-hmm. after Convergence, I think I would have... Uh, thought higher of it because it just this is the first book this is the first book you're looking at and it was not what i was expecting i was confused on the time frame who any of these people were they didn't give me great um descriptions of the people until like as you get into the book a little more by the end of the book i enjoyed it but it was just like this is the first book of phase two i was excited for it and it was not what Mm -hmm. i was expecting I, I'm definitely getting that same vibe when it comes to, you know, Roe and how they're putting out the, the new group with the mother leading them and stuff. It, it feels like, you know, again, they're putting out questions, these mysterious questions that we're going to promise you answers, but we're not going to give you any. Like, I, I don't I, I don't know, man. I'm like, remember, my, my theory was I, I thought it'd be cool if, if somehow the uh, Bane's rule of two Sith were pulling strings somehow doesn't look like we're going anywhere near that direction. I I don't think so. And I, I just, I, I'm the questioning of who this mother is and, and what their agenda is. Like, I I feel like even when they introduced Naminor in the new Jedi order, like we had more of an idea of what this character is about and what's coming for the galaxy. Like I, I, it's just such a big question mark that I don't even know if it's going to be any good because like they haven't really solidified the riddle. Like, it's just like the only th- connection we know is that there's it's a row and we know that we also his have the family leveler. had issue with Jedi. Yeah. We also have the leveler in these books. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was the creature that we finally, you know, we were introduced there at the end and started getting information about. But so the yeah, specific man, I, the I'm specific curious. one known as the leveler was the one who killed th- that first Jedi. Um, I can't remember his name. Oh, but it, uh. Loading storm, yeah, loading great storm. So the leveler was the one. I think the leveler got killed in that confrontation or somewhere in there. So, but that is the one because you kept calling the entire species the levelers. But that right. the leveler is that one specific animal, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's definitely some some details we need. And I want to say the comics did finally show us one, but yes. it was like at a distance. Uh, it was the couple. It was in a couple of the comics, and so with the finally the Marquion Row one, 
had a pretty good images of it. Also, the one the comic that took place during the Fallen Star, which I can't remember off the top of my head, um, mm. also had pretty good images of it. But it was kind of that one was the first one out. It had more of it in Hidden in Shadow, and then the the final Markeon Row comic, which was the final release of the first phase, definitely showed mm. him like kind of sitting next to Marky and Roe at his, uh, at his heels. Right. And when they think about the first wave and stuff, how everything really tied together so far with this new stuff, it doesn't feel like it's tying together, but clearly everything that's going on with the mother and that group, the children and all that stuff. When we get to the next book, you know, we don't know that they tie together, but that's clearly the big overall thread that's being pulled here is that group and how it ties to the Jedi. We don't know what that is yet, but it's definitely a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit more information, a name, an organization, you know, and around all of this is, uh, Irem and, Ar- and arrow. I, and I'm going to say the names wrong because I'm just now getting into the audio book of it. I've been, trying to read it myself and then found out I've been pronouncing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> so, but like those two worlds were also in the first wave, but you didn't really kind of get the significance of the forever war and everything like that. And like, they're applying the background to it right now, but like, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I get the same vibe of like, say in legends with Corellia and the five brothers, you know, and then the history that came with that sector. Like, I feel like there should be more about this, that there's more importance. And I really feel like it's just like some sector in the corner of the galaxy where stuff's just happening and we just get to see it. You know, I don't even remember those worlds being mentioned in the first phase. Well, I want to say they were uh, the station when we first heard about it being moved, it was moved to one of those planets or, or around those planets. Cause like they mentioned it like once, but I didn't know I, I what the that significance was, was. I think Dolna is the planet that they, they brought the station to. The, that could the, be because that's the, the, the one that was in mission to the disaster where the planet kind of self-destructed at the end of it. Um, I think that is Dolna, which is the planet that, um, where this story, uh, basically took place. Um, mm. I'm looking up to see if Irem was in anything else. Oh, I guess it has been mentioned in other books. Yeah, it was mentioned in Into the Dark and um, Cataclysm and The Fallen Star. So I guess it's there. I just don't remember it. Well, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like it was, it was mentioned as like like loca- you know, like a prime location. They talked about the moon between them and stuff, but. It, it was a question. I was like, why, why is this here? Why is this significant? And then we go to this wave and it's like a lot of the stuff is set around there. And I'm just like, but what are we building to? Like that? I, I kind of, I need to have some payoff here soon because it's like, I feel like they're just giving question after question after question. And like, you know, that worked for lost up until we got to the end and we realized there was no answers. <laughs> I liked lost. I liked how it ended. <laughs> um, so I mean, I, I liked it too, but I was disappointed on, on a, on a level. <laughs> Yeah, you keep your disappointment to yourself. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, have you read any of the, the um, Phase 2 of the High Republic yet? I am almost done with uh, Convergence. Okay, so did you read Path of Deceit and Quest for the Hidden City? No, but I do have Path of Deceit. Quest for the the other one I don't have. i got to hunt it down. Um, like 
I, it's hit or miss as to which review copies I'm getting from the young uh, publishers. Like, I'm getting all the Delray ones, but it seems like, like Padawan I didn't get. Uh, yeah, so it's like when it comes to the young adults and the young, young adults, like some I'm getting and some I'm not. And a few of them, I didn't even realize I didn't get them until I, I saw them on the shelf and was like, oh, man, I better get this. <laughs> Uh, so the next one, um, Quest for the Hidden City. Uh, daring pilots chart a new routes through hyperspace while Pathfinder teams make contact with frontier worlds to invite them to join the Republic. When a Pathfinder team's communication droid is found drifting in space, damaged and bearing a cryptic message, Jedi Knight Solandra Show and her Padawan Ruper Natani are sent to find the missing team members. Their investigation leads them to the planet Gloam, a ravaged world said to be haunted by mythical monsters. Ooh. Can the Jedi find the missing Pathfinders and unravel the mystery of the monsters? The answers lie in a hidden city beneath the planet's surface. Mm. And I give this one a whole lot of meh. Meh? Yeah. I, I, I hope in that meh they kind of give you more on the Pathfinders because I find... No. Their role in the order is cool. Maybe yeah, a little more. That's, it's been it's been like one sentence every time they're mentioned. They're like, oh, and here's you're, a little. No, another. you're thinking way though the way seekers, pathfinder right. teams are the ones who search for hyperspace routes. The way seekers mm. are the um, knights who don't follow the council. Okay, yeah, and and I, I'm glad you pointed out because I was thinking like there was another group out there that had been mentioned but they never really gave us much on the details of what they were doing okay so these guys are kind of like jory and gav from legends then right yes yes definitely so this one was written by george mann and i had high hopes for it because i've liked his other stuff that he has released Mm -hmm. but like like we had said um before daniel jose older has a tendency to write on the younger end of the middle grade spectrum I mm-hmm. feel that George Mann was mimicking his style when he wrote this book and not fully succeeding when he did it. It mm. was it I I really didn't enjoy it. Plus, like when you get to convergence, like we I said, um Quest for the Hidden City and Path of Deceit are concurrent with Convergence. And you could figure that out by um, timeline clues that they give. They'll mention things that happen in Convergence kind of in an offhand matter. So you can kind mm-hmm. of place where everything is, that they're all happening at the same time. But like the next story that takes place after this is the Battle of Jeddah, the audio book. Right. Which, which I will say right now, if you're in the middle of Convergence, because I made this mistake... That audiobook is going to spoil the end of that book immediately. Do yes. not do not listen to that if yeah. you haven't finished Convergence. So the Battle of Jeddah is definitely the sequel to Convergence. It definitely takes it takes place a couple of weeks after Convergence, and I think they did a very right. good job. And they bring all the characters in from these three different books. And the things that happen in Path of Deceit matter. The things that happen in Convergence Ooh. matter. The things that happen in Quest for the Hidden City literally, I do not think, impact anything whatsoever. The main character, I think, Solandra Show, is does come up in um, the, the reading the names and hearing the names are very different for me. Um, right. And so I'm pretty right. sure she is one of the characters that keeps turning up in uh battle of Jeddah because she has a shield if i oh, if cool. i'm correct and um i'd have to double check that but she's like the only jedi that carries around a shield 
And so it's one of those, like, (laughs) even if I can't remember the name, they keep mentioning the shield of hers. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, she comes in. But other than that, it's kind of a pointless book. Like, I I found nothing redeeming about it. (laughs) Right. And and I like I said I so the next one I'm I'm currently in the middle of it and I'm I'm getting kind of the same vibe like it's just it's a setup to what's going on in this corner of the galaxy um so that's the High Republic convergence it's a time of great exploration and an effort to unite the galaxy the Chancellor's of the Republic this is the same thing you just read isn't it yeah probably yes, yeah yeah um yeah it, it's going on about the uh, forever war you know we're we're locked in battle but. What we've got with this one that I kind of enjoy is one of the Jedi mentions the fact that when the two planets had seen an era of peace, it was when they were united through marriage. And so it ends up creating a proposal of marriage between the daughter and the son of the two royal leaders of the planet. And as things are coming to a head, it's like the people of both planet do not want this to happen. And like where I'm at right now, we're finding out that there are forces at play that are definitely being deceitful and pretending to be each other. Um, And even though I'm not to the end of this, I've seen that this, these two planets and this stuff is, is playing out in other stories that come further down the road. And so I'm like, okay, well, and it made me think about, you know, the few times it was mentioned before. And I'm like, okay, what about this is going to really play up what's the big benefit of going back into the past with these stories and the only thing i keep coming back to is the species of the leveler um and and possibly what's going on with this other group with the mother and stuff but like aside from how roe factors into that group I, I I don't know, man. I'm really questioning the idea of going back like this. I feel like it's such a detour. It's almost like going to Cato Nemoidia, or not Cato Nemoidia, but the uh, the Casino World when we go to uh, Canto Bite. Canto Bite. Yeah, I, I feel like it's like that. It's like it's like yeah, it's it's cool. It's got all this interesting stuff to look at, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not really pushing the story it's not really pushing much in the way of character development um and so i i i worry that a lot of this is just going to be a waste of time so i feel like having finished this one i feel a convert i liked convergence um it's by zoraida cordova um who she she only has one other um novel out in the the star wars but i do i do enjoy her work and it's more impactful than the other two, and it made the the at least um, the path of deceit kind of feel uh, kind of solidified better in my brain. But I okay. I, I enjoyed it. I, I I did enjoy it, and I feel like it does give a good kickoff to the Battle of Jeddah and where we're going. I f- still feel like we did not get that bombastic start, which I was kind of expecting. It's still more mm-hmm. of a slow fizzle. So we'll mm-hmm. see if they're able to do it unless they completely change their strategy because the three adult novels um, in the, the first phase were really each one had a major, major event. We're not getting that so far with this because this is we've had almost the entirety of the first phase uh, minus the co- the comics and whatever um, 
what other miscellaneous like short stories come out. So we right. did not get a major bombastic event. We got more of a ending of a a, a five year war and how these um, these two people are trying to uh, encompass like how 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 they're trying to wrap up that war and kind of move their planets on. Right, and we know a lot of people don't like Jedi, but we don't know why. <laughs> well, the path of the open hand does come up frequently, and I feel like they are major players. Even with like the fact that Marta Rowe is in that group, tells you that they're going to be major players. And I, right, I, well, and, and later Markion Rowe, you know, has his paths, so you kind of yes. wonder if maybe that that might play into with the path of the open hand and. I don't like, think here, we're going to give it to you. Yeah, I don't think it's coincidental that we have the right. the, the name as they are. Mm. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. You know, I mean, it almost feels like Vector Prime, right? Except for in one book, you know, by the time you got to the end of Vector Prime, you had everything explode. It's like the first three fourths of Vector Prime. You know, everything's being set up, and you know, stuff's about to go bad, but we don't really get to the explosive part. You're still waiting for it to happen, and you know, once it does, like all hell's going to break loose, and we're going to, you know, go flying forward. But waiting on that, it's like how many books are we going to put out before we get to the bang? <laughs> well, so I think the bang was the Battle of Jeddah that we, okay. we, we weren't seeing in these stories. I think they, these all these three stories were building up to the Battle of Jeddah, where I said, like, Tempest Runner felt like a mm. um, it, you could have taken it out and nothing would have changed. Right. I, the Battle of Jeddah is exactly the opposite of that. It is. It, oh, seems, cool. it seems to feel like a complete linchpin in the story where it will not make sense because at the, um, like, where you leave off the end of convergence is where you pick up at the beginning of battle of Jedha and mm-hmm. things completely change in the battle of Jedha. So that when you're leaving the battle of Jedha, you can't be that like, it can't be like you just pulled out the story and nothing changed. You can't do that. Oh, interesting. Well, next, uh, and last, I guess in our list of here, things that we get to talk about star wars insider the high republic starlight stories a compendium of tales from the high republic area told from aboard the incredible satellite station the starlight beacon collected for the first time from the pages of star wars insider all of these stories are written by new york times best-selling authors uh kevin scott charles sewell uh justina ireland and it also includes in-depth interviews with the story architects behind the best-selling publishing and multimedia initiative um so we've got things like uh let's see we've got an interview nights of the round table uh, we've got the short story Starlight Go Together, uh, Starlight First Duty, Starlight Hidden Danger, Starlight Path Past Mistakes, Starlight Shadows Remain, another interview with Soul Man, uh, interview with Claudia Gray Light and Dark, Kevin Scott's Wild Adventures, and Justina's Luck, as well as The Midnight Man, all interviews. But what's interesting about this, though, is that this was originally going to be titled The Star Wars Insider Fiction Collection Volume 3, and then they changed. When I got this, I got it for Christmas, and I wasn't sure if this was supposed to be Volume 3 or not because of that. I'm, I'm kind of like, why? why not include that, even as like a little minor banner or something like why change that <laughs> i i did not get this because i have all the original insider uh, um magazines so 
it's uh, one of those I do not need extra things mm-hmm. that are just republishing nothing new. Well, Star- and they advertised that it was supposed to have new stories, and then, yeah, they didn't put anything new in there. It was all Insider. Yeah, I. they're fine. I enjoy them. Enjoy them for what they're worth. It's um, They're literally short stories that are included in my magazine, so it's... <laughs> Right. Where and I'm on the other side of that. I stopped getting insider when they stopped the uh, the content of new stuff. And then when they started putting these out, I was like, oh, well, this is perfect. Now I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> the, um, yeah, but eventually I'm going to find there's going to be stories that aren't getting captured. And I'm going to get irritated. <laughs> so I think um, I think, like I said, I don't like short story collections, but these short stories connect to each other. They have mm-hmm. at least these specific um, Starlight stories. I think there's. Six, maybe, if the top of my head, maybe not that many. Yeah, um, they all uh, they they kind of span the um, entirety of that first phase, but they all are on Starlight. They all encompass the same characters, and the events that are taking place in the books kind of impact them on Starlight. Mm-hmm. Well. That about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom. Remember, you can always listen to our episodes streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Stitcher as well as Spotify and even on iTunes. And as always, we encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it. You can help us uh, grow as a show. You can find links to our show on both Twitter and Facebook at SW Beyond Films, or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in the search bar. Hey, no matter how you get there, though, be sure to like our Facebook page. It's one of the best ways to interact with us. It's our own home one, if you will. Not only can you post comments about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans, so if you have any Star Wars or Legends questions, you can fire off to us by emailing us directly at swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com. Now, lastly, before we go, we wanted to mention you, our sponsors, Audible. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash starwarsreport, you get a free trial run of Audible to see what they're all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore the Star Wars Expanded Universe, the Harry Potter Universe, or any other genre without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate. Because Audible members, they can exchange any book within 12 months. Yep, that's one year. Math still holds. With no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So, once again, for Stars Beyond the Films, this has been Mark and Whistler. And Jim. Sorry, I'm here too. You forget me? I'm still here. Locked in the back of the Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> Let me out. <laughs> Mark, oh, we, we need to record more episodes. I need food and water. <laughs> Come back. Don't leave me here for a month. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, Jim. Sounds like a good one. Oh. Mm. Don't quote us the odds. I'm so excited that we just forget about the end of the show. Yeah, (laughs) 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 
We're rusty. <laughs> no, I'm Jim. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I got a cousin that's dusty. <laughs> he should take a All shower. Right, Um, the tragic events of the Republic Fair have galvanized the galaxy. The Jedi and the Republic have gone on the offensive to stop the the Maru ding. What? Mar- marauding? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the way that that's... The w- oh jeez, that must have been Mar- from the book Mar- and they just copied it over. Mar- it's like got like Mar- three spaces. Mar- it's all Maru. I've got, I've got to drop Maroon? this in the chat. You'll appreciate the Mar- this. I'm watch. I'm looking at it. I, I see okay. it right in front you of see me. It t- uh, the, right. the the marooning, the mooning, the mar 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 Maori, the marding, the marding. Okay, part two. The tragic events. I swear. So I told my wife, I'm like, this is going to be hard. She's like, why? I'm like, because i got to read a lot. <laughs> a lot of editing. 